Hello, it is your friend Tig. It's autumn, the harvest season. So what are you harvesting? Are there seeds you planted in your life that have become a crop ready to be enjoyed? Let me know. (laughs) I'll tell you something about seeds and harvesting. Stephanie and I have been busy working, and that means a lot of Zooms from time to time. And our sons, we told them we're going to be working for a couple hours just hang tight. And they were like, no problem. We got this covered. We'll take care of ourselves. And then uh, when Stephanie went downstairs, every toy and game in the house had been pulled out. Our son Finn had somewhere dug up carrot seeds and gone out into the backyard, dug holes, planted carrots. It was almost two hours. And now We have, I guess, carrots growing in our backyard, but nobody has seen a single carrot. That's what we're harvesting over here is imaginary carrots. Make sure to come check out my show in Delaware, November 4th. No clue where this town is or the festival I'm doing, but I'm very excited to go. I've performed there before and I had a blast. And honestly, there's not a state or city that I've met that I didn't love. And Delaware... Your state is included in that. All right, now on with the show. I am an endangered species, but I sing no victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist. And I know where my voice belongs. Oh, my That is incredible. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. I am a woman, I am an artist, and I know where my advice belongs. (laughs) My guest today is a singer, producer, author, and actress who just won an Emmy for her role as Mrs. Barbara Howard on ABC's Abbott Elementary. She earned a Tony Award nomination as one of the original cast members on the Broadway musical Dreamgirls. Her long list of credits include The Mighty Quinn opposite Danzel Washington, Mistress alongside Robert De Niro and One Mississippi with yours truly. Cheryl Lee Ralph, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. I am just thrilled to have you. Thank you. Your name was on our list, by the way, before you won that Emmy. Thank you. (laughs) I told Stephanie, I was like, I bet she thinks that we just reached out to her because she won that Emmy. (laughs) How are you doing? Girl, Tig, I am so tired. I am literally exhausted. It is as if Mm -hmm. I had an implosion, not an explosion. It's like I'm just exploding on the inside. And it's a lot. But (laughs) I tell you, Tig, overnight, Mm -hmm. my life has changed in some ways. And it's really strange, but it's a lot to get used to, but I'm going to wear it with grace. And are you talking about like getting offers to be on podcasts like mine? Is that 
<laughs> is that where everything changed? All kinds of stuff, including offers on podcasts. And you oh. and Larry Wilmore were the two I did first. Oh, that's kind. But so many things. I walked into the dentist's office and I got a big round of applause. They were like, oh, my <laughs> God, it was great. I pulled up to a stop sign the other day and the people got out of their car stood in front of my car and said, we love you. Thank you. And I was like stunned. And then people do crazy things on the internet, but most of it is absolutely wonderful. So I'm happy. Well, it's all deserved. I mean, you're just absolutely incredible. I don't know if everybody knows, you played the love interest of my character's stepfather. So that means, you know, we're family. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In an alternate universe. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about being my stepmother, essentially, if we followed that story? Oh, I enjoyed being your stepmother. I love the (laughs) fact that I saw her as a woman on the edge of the spectrum, yet high functioning. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad that we didn't get another season because at the very end, I was talking to Bill, who played your stepfather, and I remember saying to him that he really had to talk to you, that you all had some conversations that you needed to have with each other to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that those would have been good conversations for people to hear. But for me, I enjoyed it. I had a good time doing that show. I had a blast and it was just so, it was so incredible. And I felt the same way. I felt like there were so many more stories to tell. And Felicia and Bill just became such the stars of the show. Everybody fell in love with you both. And I would have loved to have watched where your relationship went and where my relationship with Bill went. But I feel very thankful for the two seasons. And very sadly, in real life, my stepfather passed away recently, Aww. who John portrayed. But he was so proud of that show. And he just thought John played him so beautifully. And I feel so lucky to have that capsule. Thank so you. thank you for being a part of it. Thank you. So speaking of fathers, mm-hmm. your father's a professor. Your mother's a fashion designer. Absolutely. Known for inventing a special type of suit. And among your long list of successes, you graduated from Rutgers University at age 19 as the university's youngest female graduate at the time. Yeah. What was it like growing up in a household where excellence was seemingly the norm? That's (laughs) mind-blowing. I'm an immigrant's child, and my mother always had this saying, Jamaican saying, good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. So my parents always expected the best from me and my brothers. You know, if you were a B student, they knew that you were just one letter away from being an A student. You just needed to put in the work and you had to succeed in some ways on their term. Mm -hmm. My father said to me, You can do whatever you want with your life after you graduate from college. Those were the terms. That was what was expected of you. They were going to pay for it. And after that, you were absolutely on your own. But for me, it was a bit of pressure. 
but it wasn't mm-hmm. a bad pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't think I suffered from that pressure. I think they raised the bar for me and I had to jump over it. And so during that time, you were like, okay, this is tough, but I'm with it. I hear you. I'm going to do it. Absolutely. I'm absolutely going to do it, which is why I graduated so early from college, because I had to get on with my life on my terms. And I didn't want to spend an extra year. So it took me absolutely three years once I figured out what was necessary for me to do to get out in three years. I did it and I never looked back. They wanted me to stay to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And I remember my teacher, Dr. John Bettenbender. Oh, my God. He was so proud of me. And he started the Mason Gross School of the Arts at Rutgers University. And he really wanted me to be in the first class. And I was like, Dr. Bettenbender, I'm going to Broadway. And he sort of chuckled for a moment. But uh-huh. um, five years later, he was sitting right there in that audience and he couldn't have been proud of That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And your show, Abbott Elementary, I hear people talking about how much they love it. Yeah. So what do you think makes this show so special with all the recognition from the viewers and everybody's wild over it? I think it's because of the heart of the show that for the first time in a long time, teachers are not the butt of the joke. We are literally the heart of the show. You literally Mm -hmm. see this cast of people doing the best they can with so little for the students that they are in charge of. And Mm -hmm. I love it. And, you know, I was watching the premiere episode and it just, it touched my heart when Janine played by Quinta Brunson. She said, I broke up with my boyfriend and I'm sad. I'm really sad. And I'm having a hard time paying my bills. And I have to work through it. And honestly, there's so many young people who are going through that right Mm -hmm. now. Their emotional Mm -hmm. hurts, their financial instability, doing things that they love and working through it. And I love the fact that the character was honest enough to come out and say, I'm sad, I'm hurt, or I Mm -hmm. need help. And I think people are getting relief in some way, because very often we're not able to say those things. Yeah. So people are learning something by watching this show that they love. Yeah. I'm happy to be a part of it. So happy. I bet. I'm curious about your acceptance speech. When did you get the idea? How did you get the idea? Because you know, you know what to expect with a <laughs> an acceptance speech. And you've now become easily the most famous acceptance. You wiped everybody out in the history of acceptance speeches. How did you come up with it? When did you come up with Tell me, walk me through it. When Were you like, oh my God, this is the best idea. <laughs> or were you like, should I do that? Did you doubt it? What? Tell me. I had no idea that it was going to be me. I went there in support of my cast because I Mm. knew it was going to be somebody else. And Mm. when I heard Cheryl, (laughs) I was like that emoji where the head is just exploding. I thought it was going to be somebody else. When I got on stage Uh and I'm there center stage and I'm looking at this Emmy in my hand 
It was the song was just in me. It's one of my favorite songs. I've sung it for years. And I was just like, I'm an endangered species. I'm a woman. I'm an artist. Yeah. And I know where my voice belongs. And it has been hard, but I've used my voice and I'm right here. And I wanted everybody to know that I was feeling in that moment. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. No matter how many people tell you it's not worth it, it's too hard, give up. I said, "Uh uh-uh, keep right on going. Because look at me, I'm right here, right now, after believing as much as I could. It was right then that you thought to do that? Yeah. It just came out of you? Yeah. That's incredible. That was it. Wow. And then could we hear that song again? Oh, it's, it's, and it's written by Diane Reeves and it's very simple. And it goes, I am an endangered species, but I sing no victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist and I know where my voice belongs and there's so much more to it but that's the part that i own (laughs) that is incredible and what a moment stephanie and i were sitting there just like what on earth this is incredible (laughs) this is what is happening it was like so out of body i think for everybody even watching you like you're out of body, but watching you accept that speech in that way, it was like, what is happening? Whoa. Thank you. Thank you. Obviously, that message, as you said, is to believe in dreams. Was believing in yourself something that came naturally or um, is it something you've had to work on? Like many people, I had to work at it because when I stood there, In that moment, it was as if my whole career went in front of me. And so many Mm. times people would tell me, you know, how difficult it was. They're not looking for you. It's going to be hard or you should just stop now. You've had a better career than most. So don't feel sad if this is the end. Even at that moment, Tig, when you're standing on the stage, there's a big sign in front of you. And it's flashing. Stop now. Stop now. (laughs) Stop now. And I just, I refused. I said, I'm not stopping now. This is my moment and I'm going to use it and I'm going to make the best out of it because I've waited all these years to get to this moment. I didn't expect it, but it's here now and I'm not going to waste it. And I'm going to put your award show back on the map for you. (laughs) So don't tell me to stop now. How many people said that to me? Yeah. Someone said to me, nobody was watching this show, but everybody (laughs) is going to be watching this show from now on because of that moment. And I was like, yeah, then just invite me to host it next week. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. (laughs) What is your advice to people who struggle to believe in themselves? Oh, my God. I have to tell people, you have to look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And if if you can't talk to it, I just need you to look at it. I just need you to examine it 
because there is not another one like that. Even if you have a twin, they are not you. You are wonderfully, powerfully unique, and you just have to look a little bit longer and find the strength that is there in you. So many people think they have no strength. They have no power. They don't matter. If that person in the mirror is gone tomorrow, everything is going to change for somebody. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of people are going to miss you. Somebody's going to say, whoa, where is so-and-so? You Mm -hmm. matter. And you got to get to the point where you can look in the mirror and love what you see, that you can encourage what you see, that you can uplift what you see. And sometimes you got to hug what you see. Sometimes when you're feeling just so out of it, you got to hold on and love yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just have to rock myself and tell myself it's going to be okay. And you're mm-hmm. going to be all right. Yeah. Cause everything always works out the way it's supposed to, but you got to also want to believe that for yourself. You got to want it for yourself. You know, absolutely. That's just how I look at it. That's just Cheryl. And I know nothing. That's not true. In fact, the whole time you were talking, I was like, well, I guess she's going to have her own talk show one day. (laughs) Truly like mark my words. If you want a talk show, it's coming. Um, It is time now for listener questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Cheryl Lee, you you play a teacher on TV. And this first question is from a real life teacher who needs some professional guidance. Jessica writes, I work for a school district without a clear policy on romantic relationships between employees. I'm a teacher and I have a crush on an assistant principal. However, he does not supervise me. The students I teach are in school across the district. So I work with him only occasionally. I feel like there might be some chemistry. If he is also single, is this something I can pursue? Cheryl is shaking her head. No, please explain. You know something? I used to have an aunt and she had a certain way of talking sometimes, but she would say, for lack of a better word, she would say, do not do do where you eat, you know? Uh So do not get into a relationship that could go bad. And then you have to see this man at work and then things get bad. And then you have to leave your job. That happens more times than not. But at the same time, this man could see you have an attraction for you. Things could be wonderful. You could get married and have a nice long relationship. And that's wonderful. But if it goes the other way, girl, you're losing your job. It's not going to be good. I would say, mm-mm, do not do do where you eat. Do not do it. But that's just me. It it never works out. I, I did it one time. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> okay. So this is coming from personal experience. Yeah. Don't do it. Well, how does Jessica control this feel? I guess she's not too far in because she's not involved. It's just a crush. Yeah. Just a crush. What do you think? Well, I was thinking there was enough distance because the assistant principal doesn't work directly with this teacher and her students are across the district. So it's only occasional run-ins. 
So uh, Cheryl doesn't, she's not, you're not budging. Okay, then I'm, all right. I am with Cheryl Lee Ralph on this. This advice is straight from Abbott Elementary's best teacher. So, I mean, how do we, we can't argue with this. Cheryl Lee, stay put. We'll take a short break and then back with more questions. All right. And we're back. Cheryl Lee, this next one was sent in from Sarah. Sarah writes, Dear Tig, two years ago, I met this mom friend. She always talked about how great her neighbor was and how they were really close. Eventually, I got to meet the neighbor. Turns out we have a lot in common. Kids, same age, same interests, and parenting styles. As we got to know each other better, the neighbor discussed that she doesn't like my friend. But since they are neighbors, she is cordial to her. The neighbors started inviting me to playdates, hangouts at their house with our kiddos, but always excludes my friend. I feel like I'm being disloyal to my friend by hanging out with her neighbor without her. On the other hand, I really feel like the neighbor and I get along much better than my friend and I. What should I do? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I tell you, Tig, these two, they're very interesting because this can be very sticky. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got these three people here. One doesn't like the other. They literally tolerate the other. The other Mm -hmm. now has met the other one and likes the other one better than they like their friend. So now the two of them are just tolerating the one that brought them together in the first place. How sad for her. I know. It's also sad because she might lose a friend. And I guess the neighbor is being cordial enough. But for me, I like to go places where I'm celebrated. I don't want to be where I'm being tolerated. And the one who's being tolerated doesn't even know it. So I feel bad. Here's what I think is the neighbor that's inviting the friend over and not inviting the neighbor that she tolerates, can they not go somewhere else? Like, can they not go to the other person's house so that the neighbor who is tolerated won't see it? Because even if she gets on your nerves, you still don't want to be mean. Exactly. And it all feels weird to me. Yeah, and I feel like, it could just end up hurting this person's feelings and there's really no reason to. So I would find a different place to have the play dates. That's my instinct. What do you think, Cheryl Lee? I just think it's sad because I think somebody's going to get hurt in this. And when I hear it, I think it's the person that's being tolerated. Just like you couldn't tell the teacher, you know, your feelings are your feelings, but don't do that there. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Invite that woman over to your house. Don't do it so Mm -hmm. the woman next door gets to see her friend with another friend. I have to tell you, I had a friend and this was my friend and I was just me and she met another friend 
and they had much more money, a much more lovelier way of living. I had my way of living, which I was very happy with, but I literally lost my friend to somebody else because they had more of everything. And then when they would see me, it was just like, oh, hi. And I was just like, Mm. and I introduced y'all to each other. So I'm the one Mm. that just gets left out here. I didn't feel good. I still don't feel good about it. But guess what? Now I tolerate them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it really is so tricky. But I feel like I feel like you can't tell these two people that do connect and their kids connect that they can't be friends. But I do feel like you got to take the party somewhere elsewhere. Yeah, take it somewhere else, Sarah. That's a tough one. Good luck. Cheryl Lee, this next question involves building healthy habits. Uh Ryan writes, for years, I found myself trapped in a repeating cycle that I can't seem to escape. Generally, it consists of four to six weeks of feeling really motivated to pursue goals, eating healthy, and moving through life with confidence. Without fail, it is always then followed by two to three months and sometimes more of backsliding, neglecting to exercise, eating more unhealthy foods, and a general lack of motivation to do the things I know will help me get back on track. I can't seem to figure out why exactly this happens. Do you have any tips on how to sustainably maintain a healthy lifestyle? Wow. Uh, I don't know. Ryan, if you go to therapy, but it'd probably be good to talk to a therapist. I've heard that this kind of behavior is you're sabotaging yourself. And I feel like a therapist could help you get to the root of why you're doing that. I always hear people say things like, oh, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to eat right. You know, all the things that he's mentioning. But there has to be something that drives you to do those things. I know for myself, After I was really sick 10 years ago and I changed my diet and I became plant-based and I got my plant-based nutrition certification over the pandemic, just because I'm so driven to make sure that I have information about the food I'm eating, about what it can help as far as my health goes. And that is my very direct motivation is I don't ever want to be deathly ill again. Mm. And so you have to really look at, is there something about you? Is there something in a family member? Is it, do you have kids? Do you, are you in love? Do you want to be with this person forever that can help that focus of why you would want to stick to this healthy behavior. Absolutely. But you know what he is saying is he doesn't have that same motivation that you have. And that's what I'm saying is to try and find that. Where is it? And and talk to a therapist or look deep within what would motivate you. If you get that thought of like, I want to see my kids grow up. Yeah, I want to be the 90-year-old parent that shows up <laughs> at college graduation, yes. which I will be, but I want, I want to be there. Yeah. And I don't know. That's my thought. How do you feel, Shirley? I say, I don't mind starting over again and over mm-hmm. again and mm-hmm. over again. And maybe he can find, okay, what is the exercise 
that he likes to do that he will do. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go back to things like working out and all of that, Mm -hmm. but then they're doing things that they don't like. Yeah. Well, maybe you need to find some sort of workout that you do like. Some people don't like to walk. They like to run. Swim. Some people like to swim. Some people like to dance. Some people like to lift weights. Some people like to stretch rubber bands. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things work. The best exercise is the one that you are willing to do. A lot of people want to go to the whole healthy eating and then they realize, well, I don't like to cook. Mm -hmm. Well, then you've got to find a way to do it. But what way is it that you can get the food to you that you will eat it and eat it properly? Then another thing people do is they put timelines on themselves. And very often they put timelines on themselves that they cannot meet. Mm -hmm. Unrealistic goals. That's right. Unreal goals. Stop doing that to yourself. Sometimes people just need to give themselves a break. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you sometimes you need to think about the fact, do you like working out at all? Okay. If you don't like working out at all, maybe you need to work at breathing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to fix your relationship with things like water. Because good breathing and a better intake of water, it really helps. Mm-hmm. There's some vitamins that you need to take. Go to a doctor and find out what it is you need. Get the checkups. Get know your numbers. A lot of us don't value our health, even though it is our greatest wealth. So for him, I would say, relax. Mm-hmm. Don't even set a goal. Be realistic about this. You need to rethink it because you keep trying to do the same thing. And the craziest thing you can do is accept a different result. When you keep doing the same thing, try something different and give yourself a break. That's just me. Here, here. Have you heard of pickleball? Oh my God, I've heard of pickleball, but I don't exactly know what is pickleball. Exactly. I didn't either. And I started playing a couple of months ago. And that is brand new in my life, 51 years old, started playing pickleball, and I love it so much. Stephanie does too. And so also, I've swam my whole life, but I had back surgery a few years ago. And one of the things that has helped me, and no doctor told me to do this, I just, in my gut, I was like, I need to go tread water. And so I get in the pool I tread water. I started doing it for 15 minutes. Then I bumped it up to 30, then to 45. I now, when I tread water, tread water for one hour and it becomes meditative. Whereas in the beginning, it used to be like, how many minutes have I been doing this? And my entire body feels incredible. And truly, I cannot stress enough that it becomes meditative for me. So I'm all about, Try to find something new. Try to do something that you haven't done before. And don't be hard on yourself. But also, if you want to find that motivation, I think you're going to have to find a a reason and story that becomes your um, carrot that drives you. You That goal, that focus and that goal. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's always weird, but I always think about 
Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Dorothy was so lost, you know, and then she got hit on the head during the hurricane Mm -hmm. and she was passed out. Tornado. There you go. The tornado. (laughs) And then she met in the dream all of these things that she needed. And sometimes we just need to take a break, Mm -hmm. breathe and think to yourself, what is it I really need? What is it I really need? desire. Once you are able to say it out loud to yourself, you've got to be willing to welcome it Mm -hmm. and do the work to go and get it and then have it in your life. But sometimes we get caught in this mindset that says, I don't deserve it. Why should it be me? I'm not capable. And you are so capable of so much more. So much more. Some people are just so powerful. I look at some people and I'm like, whoa, they don't even know their own power. Mm -hmm. They are not even willing to accept their own capabilities. Yeah. So many people out here lowering the bar for themselves. And I'm like, you're a superstar. Why are you sitting on the sideline? Ryan, we're talking to you. Ryan, you are a superstar. Ryan, you are a superstar. Yes. You're a superstar, Ryan. Go for it and stop cheating yourself out of it. Go for it. You deserve it. Yes. If somebody else can have it, why can't it be you? Yes. Mm. Get out there and tread some water, Ryan. And play pickleball. Yeah, play some pickleball. Hope that's helpful in some way. Cheryl Lee, you were born in Connecticut and this next listener now lives there. Oh, wow. Eric writes... My wife, Elizabeth, and I will be celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary. We'd like to do something fun, but also something not too expensive. We have about $500 saved up for whatever it will be. Can you please give us any ideas? We live in Connecticut, would like to avoid crowds, enjoy outdoorsy stuff, and are up to try anything. Thanks, Tig. Well, there is so much that they can do. You know, people always Mm -hmm. think that they need to spend their money to do all of these things, but really what they could do is stay right at home with each other and just find out some wonderful things about each other that they have not experienced. They say they love each other. Take some time to ask each other the questions that you didn't dare ask. Take the time Mm -hmm. to make some great food or order some great food in. Get a great bottle of whatever it is you like to drink from sparkling water to sparkling champagne. Drink it all. Enjoy each other. Watch some of your favorite unwatched TV. Make a memory for yourself. You do not have to go out and spend that $500. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great idea. And I've recently started interviewing family members, really in-depth interviews, questions that would never come up, Ah. like about their high school graduation day or their first date or whatever it was in their life. Just the interview that I've done, it takes two or three hours with each person. And so that could be something really fun to do is like put together 
a long, long list of things you've never asked each other. I mean, I've had such a great time. Remember when you came to my cousin's house in Mississippi? Mm -hmm. I just interviewed him, Jimmy. I don't know if you remember him. I remember very well. Yes, yeah. Yeah, my husband came down. Yes. Yeah. And we're still married and still happy. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. How long have you been together? Oh, my God. I think this year is 20, 20 years. I'm the worst. He remembers everything down to the hour and the second. (laughs) And me, I'm like, how long has it been? (laughs) Yeah, I remember. He was great. And um, it's such a fun journey when you get in there really deep with people. Mm -hmm. Especially people you love. There is nothing more fun than every now and then Stephanie will say something about her life. I'm like, I didn't know that. And it's such a fun moment. Even if you don't have a specific question and you say, tell me something I for sure do not know about you. But you can back up to your wife's family asking questions about her upbringing. There's so many things. There's questions online. There's interview questions. You can look up and add them to your list of things to ask one another. And you know what they can do is make it a great date. They can dress up or dress down however they Mm -hmm. like. They can bring flowers for each other. They can make it so special Mm -hmm. without spending all of that money. Yep. All right, Eric, thanks for the question. Congrats to you and Elizabeth on 10 years. 10 good years. 10 of the best years of Eric's life. (laughs) Cheryl Lee, Before we end the show, I have two final questions for you. Okay. It's a segment called Best Advice, Worst Advice. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever got was from my father, and it was a five-letter word, and it was think. Mm. And my father gave me that sign, and it just said think. That has served me so well throughout my life. That when things happen, good things, bad things, questionable things, I think my way through them. Exhale and think. So the best advice was think. Yeah. Nice. What's the worst advice? Stop. This is the worst advice. Stop now. 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 The worst advice and I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference too. I love it. And all true. Yes. Cheryl Lee, it has been such a delight having you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. I knew you were so slammed and I knew there was a chance that this wouldn't happen. And so I'm just very thankful. And I know that our um, listeners are going to be just thrilled to hear from you. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. Of course. When they said it was Tig's podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. And tell Stephanie I said hello and hug the boys for me. Oh, thank you. And all the best to your family. And anything to promote or let our listeners know? Oh, you know what? Tell your listeners they can always download my Audible book, Redefining Diva, Divinely Inspired, Victoriously Alive. It's on Audible and it's a wonderful listen. And I do the reading myself. So there you go. (laughs) Awesome. What a great title. Thank you. Thank you again and hope to see you very soon. Back at you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.
Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Lauren Humpert. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 